Hi, and welcome to the Full Bloom Project, a body-positive parenting podcast dedicated to promoting emotional wellness in our children and health at every size for the whole family. Each week, we speak with extraordinary experts and distill everything from scholarly research to self-help books into accessible and digestible daily parenting practices. We're your hosts, Zoe Bisbing and Leslie Block, both New York City-based adolescent eating disorder psychotherapists and both mothers of two, here to help you help your children fully bloom. This episode of the Full Bloom Podcast is brought to you by our Body Positive Parenting Primer mini-course, which will be live on Friday, August 23rd at 10.45 a.m. Eastern. The Primer is a 90-minute virtual seminar that you can participate in from the comfort of your own home. You'll learn the step-by-step foundations of body-positive parenting and avoid the overwhelm and fear that hold so many parents back from making changes that truly transform their home environment and set their kids up for body positivity fast. You'll learn how we keep things very simple and learn the next step you need to take to build momentum and adopt body positive parenting fundamentals in your life. You'll walk through step-by-step the simple roadmap to getting you started. If you can't make it live, no problem. We'll send you the recording so you can work through it on your own time and terms. To join us inside the next Body Positive Parenting Primer, reserve your spot now at fullbloomproject.com slash course. That's fullbloomproject.com slash course. Back in early June, we got an email from Eva Musby, a parent coach and author of the book, Help for Parents of Children and Teens Suffering from Anorexia and Other Eating Disorders. We both knew who she was because she is a pretty popular figure in the relatively tiny world of child and adolescent eating disorder treatment. Here's what she wrote. Dear Leslie and Zoe, I am partway through your fantastic Full Bloom podcasts and so very grateful for them. They are giving me more clarity in an area I have only slowly been getting my head around. I have referenced it now in my book in a section where I talk of prevention. Has anyone started a hashtag MyBodyToo or something similar movement? The MeToo movement has been so good at changing what is acceptable or not. The reason I'm writing to you today, I am revising bits of my book, one of them being what advice I give parents when their child is wailing about being fat and wants assurances or reassurances. I've never been totally comfortable with what to recommend. Now I have a revision I'm a bit happier with, and I've posted the draft here. I would be very reassured if you could cast your eye over it and correct anything awful or add any nuance I am missing. If you are busy like crazy, no pressure. I know what it's like when there's too much at one time. Love, Eva. So we responded to Eva saying we were delighted to hear from her and we'd be happy to advise so long as she'd let us feature the conversation in a podcast episode. Today we are going to share the wonderful conversation we had with her, but before we do, we want to offer a little background on something called family-based treatment. Family-based treatment is a way of treating adolescents with eating disorders and a way in which you need to become certified 
in order to essentially call yourself an FBT therapist. FBT stands for family-based treatment. Sometimes it's kind of more popularly known as Maudsley. Do you want to describe what? Yeah, and and it's important to what Leslie's saying about the certification process. There are very few therapists in, oh, well, the world, I guess, that are officially certified in this treatment approach. So it's a very highly specific intervention. And so the candidates for this treatment are children and adolescents that are struggling mostly with anorexia that are in need of refeeding, which is learning how to eat again and restoring enough weight so that you can kind of catch up to maybe where you need to be developmentally. This treatment approach has been adapted for other types of eating disorders. Um, and we can link on the show notes to, you know, more resources if you want to learn more about family-based treatment. But for the purposes of today, we just wanted to kind of clarify that family-based treatment and the work that Eva did with her child and the work that Leslie and I do in our clinical practice when a young person has an eating disorder, which engages the parents and sort of charges them with the responsibility of re-nourishing their child is a very specific intervention. And the conversation today speaks both to parents that are actively struggling with a kid with an eating disorder, as well as just parents that might have a kid that lives in diet culture that might say something like, am I fat? Exactly. Yeah. So we want you to know that you'll walk away from listening to this episode with some thoughts about what to do next time your child asks you that question. Hello, this is Leslie and Zoe. Nice to hear you. Obviously, we both know who you are and receive your uh, communication and uh, are delighted that you are down to make your question into a podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, thanks for accepting our kind of counter offer there. But we're going to try to we're going to try to um, just use this opportunity to you know, answer your question and review your answer to this question. Am I fat? How to respond? Yeah, let's just chat and we'll just have a recording going. That's all. <laughs> so do you do you just want to kind of bottom line your question just to remind us, like, why do you want us to take a look at this? What is it that we're taking a look at? And, uh, you know, what, it, what about this question feels so tricky for you? Yeah, well, look, thank you. So uh, when I wrote my book uh, first time, you know, I keep on I keep on revising it and I've never been quite comfortable with what to reply to my child when she would say, am I fat? Are you going to make me fat? Um, so, you know, I wrote what I knew, but, you know, it's been a few years now and um, I thought, well, I think I can do a lot better now. So <laughs> I redrafted stuff. I had some great tweets that also um, made me think, oh, you know, I need to think further. So I redrafted stuff and then I thought I will ask for advice and for people's reactions. And then you hijacked me. I'm not sure if that's the right word. By saying, we will answer your question. Uh, how about we make that into a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, I mean, I, I think there's so many people have this question. I mean, we appreciate that your specific writing and this question um, that you're asking is embedded in kind of 
eating disorder treatment or eating disorder recovery uh, focused community. But this question, you just said it came up yesterday, right, Leslie? Oh, yeah. It came up with one of my friends who's a listener that um, without me telling her about, you know, this this question that you asked us, she asked it to me. Um, we were we run together and we were on a run. And I, she was just like, what do I really say? You know, I, I think she actually listened to our puberty episode in which Dr. G kind of takes a stab at this um, question and answers it in her way. So I can send that over to you too. Mm. And you can hear what she has to say. So you have two pieces of advice a bit. Um but yeah, it's a, it's a question we get a lot, um, and it's something that I think from from I'm going to answer from my perspective. I think it's a from what I've learned from doing the podcast so far, um, and from treating eating disorders clinically, that for prevention purposes, the most effective way to prevent eating disorders is to challenge the body ideals Mm -hmm. um, and to actually create a conversation. So on one level, this child is opening up that conversation, is asking for help to navigate that, the body ideal conversation. Um, And I think you touched on it in this in this question around diversity um, or the way that you answered it mm-hmm. in diversity. Yeah. Um, and, and it is, a, it is, it is the, it's the cascade of kind of the cascade of risk factors. It's the one that when we treat it, we get the most effect. And we've actually learned that there's research coming out, um, in using this, what's called the dissonance-based model in treating eating disorders, so not just preventing, but treating to ha- and they have a high um, a high rate of success with. So I think it's an opportunity that your kid is sitting there asking to have this conversation. And as parents, you know, and I, I, I do want to speak directly to parents who are in the midst of family-based treatment for anorexia, which means they are worried about the next meal and not wanting to cause more distress. Um, however, it the distress is coming from this exact place um, in a certain part of the, their child. And so I invite families to, and it might be in the context of your family's reading, it might be a better thing to bring into the conversation with their FBT therapist um, in the room so that the therapist can help them out with this too. But it's it's an opportunity to start exploring what is there around fat, what is there around fat mm-hmm. for this child. So that's where I would yeah. go first. Yeah, I mean, and I appreciate that th- there are differences, as you write about, like, right, when you are in a refeeding process, when you have a child that is, is you know, entrenched in anorexia, is too sick to eat in a way that is going to allow them to grow and develop at a natural rate. Um, The stakes are different and certainly higher. They're more acute stakes. But I think where this question coming at you, am I fat or a pull to like reassure me I'm not fat, which is what I see a lot of in what you've written, you know, those sort of examples. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that 
we have some options, right, in terms of exposing our kid to the idea like, you know, not to say maybe you are fat, but kind of taking the air out of this, right? Like not allowing our family or, you know, communicating to our kids that like as a value of our family is that it doesn't matter to us what size you are. I think that you hear this a lot in like, oh, oh, mama, me, am I fat? No, you're not fat. You're beautiful. (laughs) As though these sort of natural responses that people give are meant to be like, helpful, right? You're not fat, you're beautiful, as though you couldn't be fat and beautiful. And of course, there are people that will echo that sentiment. And there is a whole, you know, world that we live in, that will echo that sentiment. But to be able to say you, not to be able to say, yes, you are fat. But if you can engage your kid about that conversation, and they're not sort of mired in an eating disorder, to, to sort of see as a family, are we okay with that? Like, are we okay by saying no, but it's okay if you are? Like, that there's nothing wrong if you are? Um, I guess I'm bringing up a nuance, and I'm not sure how you want to kind of think about that in the context of what you've written, but allowing it to just be okay and even to expose our kid to that reality. Like, if they are, you know, maybe you do have a kid in a bigger body. What if they say, Mommy, am I fat? And that's not what you're talking about here, but. I don't know. How, why would it be bad to say, yes, you are. You are in a bigger body. And I know that's not the case here. You have maybe a child. Well, it could be. Mm-hmm. It could be for some of my readers because the book isn't just for underweight kids. Yeah. Yeah. They could be in a bigger body. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess on that front then, especially, I, you know, personally, I think that if we don't think that being fat is a problem, If we as parents really believe that and, you know, if we embrace the health at every size paradigm, then if your child says, you know, am I fat or I I think I'm fat, especially if they are in a bigger body, to say, yes, you are in a bigger body, some people might call that fat. Do you like the word fat? Do you prefer a different word? How should we talk about this? Um, Some people like to say bigger bodies. Some people like to say medium bodies. Or some people really like to use the word fat as that kind of neutral descriptor. So I think, I guess what I'm going for is more thinking about the parents. Like if the parent can just get on board with the idea that it's okay to be fat, I think that that will change the way you respond whether or not your child is in a bigger body. Yes, and I also think what you've what you've um, included in your answer, which is highly important, is to say I'm not answering that question, and to I think you wrote here, you know, to get back to wrapping Dad's present because we do want to model for our kids. We want to do two things: we want to work them through this body diversity and acceptance conversation and health at every size. We do want to work walk them through that. And we also want to help them, teach them, model for them how to get into their life and not be preoccupied with this, right? So there's, I like how you have these kind of couple options because it is important to stop right then and there and go wrap your dad's present because it's really important to the family that you give dad a present for Father's Day or whatever it is. You know, I think you 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 use that 
here, that example here. And we want to we want to do both. We want to show them and model for them how to give energy to the marginalized areas of their life, which in someone with an acute eating disorder is is highly marginalized most things. We want to show them, okay, we're investing so much energy in this. Let's invest it somewhere else. Let's invest it in whatever else we can think of right now because we don't need to have this conversation another time um, again. And you want to model for that. You want to model that for them and help them help their brain heal in that way and, and shift right in that moment into focusing on something else that's hard for a starved brain. Um, but it's helpful when a parent helps them along in that. So I, I think I, I'm glad that you have that in your answer because I think that's important too. Yes, I had planned that kind of let's wrap dad's present as an example of a distraction. So I'm not going to talk about this forever. We distract, we do something else. And you're pointing out that it also is a model of where well, we also have other things in our lives. It's Yes, it is. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I'm other pointing values. out that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in my, um, there are other values and actually really important values that maybe even when we sit around when we sit around together and think about what's more important to you, you may even be able to say, you know, giving dad a present is really important to me, but it's just, as a kid with an eating disorder, it's just hard to think about anything else. And that's where we want to model as parents how to to think about something else in that moment. And I tend to, when I'm working with my FBT families, I tend to try to explain that distraction is is a similar thing to jumping into life to jumping into things we value it can be both it can be a little bit different but in this case it's kind of both and different at the same time and it's an opportunity to keep reinforcing with the child other things that are important to you need your time and attention right now. And I know it's really hard for you to not talk about this, but let's try together to talk about, you know, let's try together to talk about anything else but this. I know it's hard, but let's do it because that's what we're working towards here. You know, and I had sort of two other thoughts. One pertained to this sort of trust and distraction, some of these alternative uh, statements that you pr- put forward. And then also the the, the bit about um, if your child says, but you're fat, mm. um, which I think is relevant in refeeding with FBT, but also that could come up at any point with any kid, um, no matter how, how nourished they are. Um, one little, so on the first one, I see this statement you say, um, trust and distraction with all, I suggest you try to soothe your child without resorting to sizest messages. And one of the examples you say is trust me, to say trust me, and your body will be the perfect size for you and you will grow and thrive. Yeah, which I, don't, I, which I, I have further advice. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, we haven't the perfect seen. perfect size. Got you. Yeah. Yeah, I think then we're on to the same thing. I, I had a reaction to the word perfect. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you already got that, so we don't need to waste time. But well, that, yeah, why you know. don't you explain it for the listeners? You know, <laughs> the fact I wrote it in the first place shows, you know, we say yeah. these things. So explain it. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think the word perfect is a really 
powerful uh, word that a lot of people have just incredible and sticky associations with. And that word perfectionist comes to mind. Um, and we know so well that kids that are kind of on that have that brain chemistry that makes them more perfectionistic. It just so happens that they are also at an increased risk for things like eating disorders and concerns and sort of striving for perfection via the way they eat or the shape of their bodies. And so it's almost just like a little bit of a trigger word, perfect, even though I can appreciate um, how a parent would want to promise something would be perfect, right? Um, and promise that your body will be the perfect size for you. Um, I know what you mean. I get. I totally get that you mean according to your genetic body blueprint, like according to what is naturally meant for you. And, and in many ways, that is perfect, little lowercase p. But mm-hmm. I think there's just a risk um, that we don't know what anyone is going to associate to with that word. And I think that it can conjure ideas of specific visions as opposed to allowing for the fluidity that is reality, which is that nothing is perfect. And even our sizes shift and our bodies change and, you know, what's perfect one day might be different the next or, you know. Um, So I think that, but it sounds like you and I were on the same page. Yeah, yeah. And and yet these words slip through. And <laughs> I suppose as I'm writing my book, I'm thinking, you know, I want to give tips to the readers, the parents who are really wanting to do the best they can. And also we, you know, unhelpful words come out of our mouths. So I'm trying to give lots of options. And it's useful to have this conversation. So you go, I don't like the word perfect. You know, as I'm, as I'm about to say the word perfect, I will let go of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah and and to like you know I think it's also a great example of as parents we say these things I mean you know and you, you're very forthcoming in in what you've written here about ways in which you in in just in a desperate attempt to kind of get your kid to move on to the next meal for example you said things or did things that in later you know retrospect you thought oh I shouldn't have done that and and you're also able to say but it didn't didn't harm her you know like um, yes, which I think is important to model recovery. that. We can make a few mistakes along the way, or quite a few, yes. Yeah. Um, the other one that just I think is worth noting, because we actually haven't talked much about it on the podcast at all, like this idea like if you're a kid, you know, especially if you're trying to kind of model body positivity, body acceptance, all of this prevention, and then your child says, well, I don't believe you and you're fat, because yeah. I know you you mentioned that here. Yeah. Um yeah. And so, you know, I, I wanted to less sort of lecture about it and more just to talk briefly about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Which we I, must make the point for uh, anybody who's not familiar with eating disorders, the, the, the child will tell you, but you're fat or you're thinner than me, irrespective of your actual body size as a parent. That's just how they perceive it and... I think that's a, an important distinction and that that adds another layer, right? So if the what's being told to you, it doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Um, and then there may be times where, you know, if you are in a bigger body as a parent or if you just have an adult body, which is not supposed to look like a teenage body, you know, um, I, I'm just thinking about ways parents could model 
and claim that word as like an okay thing. Like if they say, you know, to you, you're fat. My instinct is that it's okay if you feel comfortable saying yes, and I'm okay with that. Like this is my body. You might think that it looks one way. She might think that it looks one way. And what's most important is how I feel in it. And if you want to use that word to describe my body, that's okay. You're describing what you see. And that has nothing to do with how I feel in my body. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be about what you feel inside your body. And just it's, I feel like it's a nice opportunity if you're willing as a parent. And by the way, comments like that can be really triggering for parents. Um, so I don't mean to say that we should all be like not having emotions about this or, you know, I imagine someone may feel hurt because we do live in a society right now where if you call someone fat, it's more of like a slur. But I think there's a way to claim it and model it as a neutral descriptor mm-hmm. and accept that and and then differentiate what you see about me, how you describe me and the way I appear is one thing and then how I feel in myself and in my body and about my life is a completely different conversation, you know? And I I just thought that that might be worth noting. Right. And I love the responses you're giving me because I think they are applicable to presumably every family with even without an eating disorder. I'm interested in your experience as a therapist when you have a kid who is so delusional, like mine might have been, you know, water will make me fat. You know, I couldn't get her to drink water. We're very far from being able to have this kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. like clutching at the belly, clutching at, you know, pinching the arms. I'm fat, mom, I'm fat. Ah!" You know, complete panic, complete out of reality pinching at bits of skin, hysterics. It's not the time to have a conversation unless you tell, I'm very interested in hearing, you know, have you seen that in your office or do the kids only do that at home? No, I think that's where there's the, I mean, the the FBT model, like you've kind of helped parents with and your resources help parents with so well. It really talks about the parents' letting the parents say, you know, validate, I think, you know, an EFFT, which is emotionally focused family therapy, which is starting to wrap itself around FBT in a hopefully a hug type way. <laughs> I'm not sure how you feel about it. But there fantastic, is a, a, a fantastic resources from EFFT. Yeah, yeah, They've produced so great videos with modeling examples of dialogue or of, of um, validating emotions. So yeah, a real yeah, thing to so recommend. Yeah, there's that there's that moment to validate and there's also that moment to say, and I'm taking extremely good care of you right now and this is what we need to do. And I think that you've, your work has given parents, at least parents that I've worked with and, and me too in, in the room, the ability to say, yeah, okay, we know this, you're afraid the water will make you fat, to, you know, in, in a validating, understanding way. And we have to, we have to, we know what to do right now and what to do is this. And I mean, just from working in multiple levels, not just in my office, working with individuals, helping feed them, refeed them, the ability to just 
be clear that this is the medicine and this is what needs to happen right now and those feelings are present is without getting into the conversation is what is needed in a very acute case mm-hmm. of anorexia. Yeah, I I agree. And I think um, I'm glad you brought that up um, about when is the right moment, because certainly if your daughter is, you know, so detached from reality and so entrenched in and in, in psychiatric illness that they really believe that water will make them fat. This is not, it's, it's not someone who's capable of receiving any kind of messaging about body positivity. It's, it's sort of not the point. Um, so there's sort of a time and a place. And I agree with what Leslie's saying that just that validation. And I think that validating that this is your experience, no matter what the the situation, it's always got to be the lead I'm I, I'm thinking about our non-judgmental stance episode and that little script and just like saying, you know, thank you for telling me. I'm so glad you're telling me this. It sounds like you really know you feel this way. You really know you're afraid. And then the pivot, of course, for this is what Leslie's saying. Like, and and that being said, we know what to do and we're gonna keep you safe and we're gonna keep you you know, having your chance to, to bloom in full. And, and, and I think there's a continuum here for sure. And we're, we're trying to kind of cram this conversation into both, you know, make it appropriate for families that may have a kid that's ill, like what you're describing, but also down the line, because you'll want to, you know, hopefully, if you're a parent that is an FBT, your kid will one day be renourished. And then the conversation may be when you're helping them with body image, which is always the residual piece, right? After FBT ends, um, you can start those other conversations. Yeah. And for parents to have that uh, trust that they can uh, take the conversation at the appropriate level that um, you know they don't have to do all the body positive messages when they've got a kid who's delusional and hysterical. And yes. that they can uh, give the response to suit the, the state their child is in, which is uh, which is the fun of this podcast because you're you've got this wide audience, and also in my book, I'm conscious that my readers have got kids at all the different levels as well. It's true, and this question comes up for all different ages and all different levels of kids and eating disorders or or general body image, I think that most parents have had their child ask them this question before. And probably a lot of parents are asking their partners this question about themselves. I mean, my gosh, this doesn't end. I know we're, (laughs) we're talking about this as it pertains to kids. But I mean, of course, there's that's like a, a normal conversation. Oh, do I look fat? So when I was a bit younger, the standard cartoon joke was, you know, does my bum look fat in this? And the Mm -hmm. answer, of course, had to be no. And I understand now it's the opposite is the correct answer. Yes, you've got a very beautiful big bum. So it's always a minefield, um, what people are, are looking for, for reassurance. I'm wondering also what you feel about the much more standard advice, um, which works for a lot of people, which is, look, darling, I'm sorry you're you're anxious about this. We're not talking about it. It's not useful. Well, that's kind of comes back to that kind of, is it a 
distress tolerance skill or a distraction or is it skill a values opportunity to readdress values and re-jump into something that's valuable and I think that I like that answer and I think there's use for it and go ahead and use it in my opinion because while it it could leave a child feeling invalidated, which I think we need to appreciate that that's a potential side effect of saying we're not talking about this. I think that, and that's where there's probably a need to go back and validate the question and the concern under the, under there at times. I think that it's really, really useful. And I do it all the time with, with parents to say, we're not talking about this right now. Let's Let's talk about something else because this is a rabbit hole and more of our time and energy spent here. And we don't need to do that. We need to spend our time and energy somewhere else right now. I think that also you sometimes have to just go with what feels right to then from there further assess whether or not this is one of those moments to talk about, (laughs) you know, like in other words, depending on the situation, like Leslie's saying, because it could be invalidating to say, we're just not talking about that. We're just not talking about that. I think you have to kind of see, like if it's a moment where in saying, we're just not talking about that, you then start to notice that your kid maybe has something they really need to say and something that they really need you to hear. I think that you can state a kind of attuned and curious about, well, did that work? You know, does repeatedly saying, we're just not going to talk about that, move on, redirect. Is it working? Or does it kind of, do you get a sense that it's, it, that alone isn't sort of doing it? In which case then you may come back to this other conversation where you are talking more explicitly about these things. I mean, it does seem like from the research, um, modeling is more effective than, explicit conversation that does seem to be the case um but i think that there's something very powerful sometimes just about like in that example before being able to respond if someone's saying you're fat rather than just not acknowledge it i think that there could be something positive about demonstrating who you are in reaction to a comment like that i don't know if i'm being clear but i think that it's probably not one size fits all and perhaps for a parent, it's good to know you've got some options. You've got the like ignore option. You've got the like engage in, you know, interesting conversation option. Um, but certainly if you start in a conversation that you start to feel like, oh, we're in a rabbit hole, then you got to jump out, right? And not sort of stay there for too long. Sure. Yeah. And I think with, with you know, with, a, with an, deep in anorexia or bulimia, deep in the illness, when someone's deep in the illness, the brain, it it needs to be fed, let's say it needs to be the eating needs to be regulated. And that's the primary, primary goal. And I think for parents listening who have kids in that stage, we really need to stop all these conversations in which the eating disorder gets a loudspeaker and just gets to spew the, the child further and deeper into that position. And this is a moment to say we're not talking about that. Um, and that until until there's weight restoration happening, while that conversation is inside the kid needing to, to talk through, it's really usually not effective until their brain is in a, in a more restored state. With that being said, I do think it's interesting that the research is starting to tell us 
having dissonance-based conversations with starved brains is effective too. So I think it's it's kind of like, well, are you about to sit down for eating? Like, what can you tolerate as a parent and what can the kid tolerate? And, and then going from there. Mm-hmm. If your child is cognitively able to to have that kind of discussion which excludes quite a lot of the early stages of anorexia I wonder if it would be really useful to unpack you know what what's freaking you out about this I am fat question um is it because you were fat called in in school and you feel unsafe um is it because right now it feels uncomfortable is it a a a sensationless a somatic thing you know I can't get in the in the head of someone who's wailing, am I fat? Tell me I'm not fat. You know, so if they are able to engage in a conversation, I'm imagining it would be useful to say, you know, what is it that is freaking you out about it? I think so. And Mm -hmm. it just reminds me of that I feel fat sort of intervention, like this experience of feeling fat, the phenomenon, I'm doing these air quotes of feeling fat. When people say this, like, I feel so fat, we all kind of know what you mean. And at the same time, we don't know what that means because f- fat is not a feeling. Um, so that that would maybe be the next time. It's feelings yeah. within it, right? right. And, that's, and feelings and thoughts within it. And that's, yeah, that's that deeper conversation, if which is, well, what do it. you, what do you, what do we mean by this? What do you mean by this? What are we, what is freaking you out? I love that. Like, I love that just responding with, well, what's freaking you out right mm-hmm. now? You know, mm-hmm. and I think this is where like with anorexia, they're, there does seem to be a connection with the measures of fat phobia that we just don't see. I mean, we see it, but we don't see it as severely as in some of the other disorders. And so we do eventually need to address that um, in order to have better outcomes. Um, But the brain is just not able to have a rational conversation at a certain at a certain stage of the illness. And so we need to respect that and do the best to not somehow reinforce the phobia by saying something like, oh no, definitely not, you know, but saying something like, we're not having this conversation because we need to do X, Y, and Z. And you need to take your medicine um, and it's going to stop you from doing that or it might. Um, so I think that's... Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's it for today. But I, I hope we were able to weigh in on some of what you were hoping we would i love the conversation thank you so much yeah you're welcome thanks for reaching out so that's our show you can find eva at www.anorexiafamily.com We would love to hear any reactions or questions that came up during this episode or season. Please send us an email at info at fullbloomproject.com or comment on our Instagram. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, we would greatly appreciate you leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts so more people can find the podcast. And please consider becoming a patron of the podcast by visiting fullbloomproject.com slash Patreon so we can keep producing and delivering this content to you. Thank you all for listening and remember to tune back in next time for more body positive parenting wisdom. Mm -hmm.